Well, good evening and welcome once again to The Word in a Year. My name is Jason and uh, man, it has been a while. (laughs) I was just looking back into um, some of my podcasts that I've done in the past and uh, April 19th was the last time that we got together and guys, I got to apologize Um, life has been crazy busy and, uh, you know, it's, it's been all good. You know, God is good. And there's been a lot of things that have been going on and taking place and ministry opportunities and all kinds of things. And, you know, sometimes, you know, life just kind of gets in the way of, you know, what you really, really, really want to do with your time. Um, but God is still good. And God has gotten the glory so many times uh, through so many different situations and things. And um, I I just give him all the glory and all the praise tonight uh, for all that he's done, for all that he's doing. And most importantly, the stuff that he's going to do in the future. Um, uh, I just uh, I just appreciate him and I appreciate uh, the fact that he has called me and you and so many others uh, out of darkness and into his marvelous light so that we can show forth the praises of him that called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And uh, that's our job. Our job is to show forth the praises of God. And, you know, when whenever we get together and whenever we open up the word, um, that's what we're doing. We're showing forth his praises. And um, tonight, that's what we're going to do. We're just going to talk about him tonight. And uh, I'm so excited for that. Uh, It's been, like I said, a long time since we've been able to get together um, and just read the word of God together. Um, And due to the the lateness of the year, um, we're going to go back at the beginning of next year where we where we left off in the Old Testament. Um, But I really feel like we need to just pick up fresh uh, in the New Testament. And so tonight, uh, we're going to be reading Matthew 1 through 5. And uh, I know that's a lot of scripture, um, but it's really the the words of Jesus and what he had to um, say to us and, you know, how he lived. And uh, the Sermon on the Mount, of course, is in Matthew chapter 5. Um, and so we're just going to uh, start there tonight, and then um, you know we're just going to continue on through the Old Testament, or I'm sorry, through the New Testament, and uh, you know um, I think it's going to be really, really beneficial um, to everybody uh, that um, is listening and is going to listen. And I just want to invite you share this, share this with your friends, share this with your family. Um, the word of God is something that we need to get out into the highways and into the byways, uh, into the workplaces, into the places that, uh, we live, into the places that we play, into the places that we visit, uh, every single place we need to get the word of God out there more and more and more. Why? Because it is the living, breathing word of God. And every time we open up the word of God, he is going to begin to speak into our lives, new things, and he's going to open up our eyes and open up our ears and our hearts to receive what he has for us tonight. So 
if you wouldn't mind, um, we're going to begin with prayer. And um, then we're going to go ahead and get started in Matthew chapter 1. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity that I have once again, Lord God, to come before your people, Lord, to read your word. Father, I know that we're skipping from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And God, we might, if we have time at the end of the year, go back and finish the Old Testament, God. But I really want to get to uh, your story, God, and, and how the church came about and how the disciples came about and how uh, discipleship came about and how the gospel came about, Father. Lord, I just pray that, Lord, as we begin this journey through the New Testament, God, you would open up our ears, you'd open up our hearts and our minds to hear, to see, to comprehend what thus says the Lord tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. And amen. Amen. Well, I am going to switch over to my Bible app and pray that <laughs> everything works out. All right, here we go. Matthew chapter 1, reading out of the New Living Translation. Um, I just, I really like the story form that the New Living Translation puts the Bible in. And um, so we're going to read Matthew chapter 1. This is a record of the ancestors of Jesus, the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Aminadab. Aminadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz, who was the mother, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother was Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. Solomon was the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam was the father of Abijah. Abijah was the father of Asa. Asa was the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was the father of Jehoram. Jehoram was the father of Uzziah. Uzziah was the father of Jotham. Jotham was the father of Ahaz. Ahaz was the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was the father of Manasseh. Manasseh was the father of Amon. Amon was the father of Josiah. Josiah was the father of Jehoiakim and his brothers born at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the Babylonian exile, Jehoiakim was the father of Shealtiel. Shealtiel was the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the father of Abuhud. Abuhud was the father of Elikim. Elikim was the father of Azer. Azer was the father of Zadok. Zadok was the father of Akim. Akim was the father of Elihud. Elihud was the father of Eleazar. Eleazar was the father of Mathan. Mathan was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And Mary gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah. All those listed above include 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the Babylonian exile, and 14 from the Babylonian exile to the Messiah. 
Now, this is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, the, there were... About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem. In Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, or the land of Judah, are not the least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way and the star that they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the mother with his, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. They opened their treasure chests, and they gave him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return. Because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother. And they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. When Herod died, 
an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, the angel said. Take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel, because those who were trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. But when he learned that the new ruler of Judea was Herod's son Archelaus, he was afraid to go there. Then, after being warned in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee. So the family went and lived in a town called Nazareth. This fulfilled what the prophets had said. He will be called a Nazarene. Matthew chapter 3. In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching his message. His message was repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said he is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair and he tore or he wore a leather belt around his waist for food. He ate locusts and wild honey. People from Jerusalem and from all over Judea and all over the Jordan Valley went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to watch him baptized, he denounced them. You brood of snakes, he exclaimed. Who warned you to flee to the coming? Who warned you to flee the coming wrath? Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe for we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now, the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I am not even worthy enough to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat and with his winnowing fork, when he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with never-ending fire. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize Jesus. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Matthew chapter 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For forty days and forty nights he fasted and became very hungry. During that time the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No. The Scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you were the Son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you, 
and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scripture said, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil went away and the angels came and took care of Jesus. When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He went first to Nazareth, then left there and moved to Capernaum, beside the Sea of Galilee in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This fulfilled what God said through the prophet Isaiah. In the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, beside the sea, beyond the Jordan River, in Galilee, where so many Gentiles live, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. For those who lived in the land where death cast its shadow, a light has shined. From then on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, hey, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. They left their nets at once and they followed him. A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called them to come too. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. News about him spread as far as Syria, and people soon began bringing him to him all who were sick, and whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. Large crowds followed him wherever he went. People from Galilee, the ten towns, Jerusalem, from all over Judea, and from the east of the Jordan River. One day... As he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them the Beatitudes. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. 
You are the light of the world. Like a city set on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Don't misunderstand what I have come or why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of God. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of the religious law, And the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say to you, if you are angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly realize that there's someone that has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go, and be reconciled to that person. Then come back and offer your sacrifice to God. When you are on the way to the court with your adversary, settle your differences quickly. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge who will hand you over to an officer. And you will be thrown into prison. And if that happens, you surely won't be free again until you have paid the last penny. You've heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But I say anyone who looks at a a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. You've heard the law that says a man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a written notice of divorce. But I say that a man who divorces his wife unless she has been unfaithful causes her to commit adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman also commits adultery. You have also heard that our ancestors were told, you must not break your vows. You must carry out the vows you make to the Lord. But I say, do not make any vows. Do not say by heaven because heaven is God's throne. Do not say by the earth because the earth is his footstool. And do not say by Jerusalem for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Do not even say by my head for you cannot turn one hair white or black. Just say a simple yes, I will or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. You have heard the law that says punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the left also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it too. 
Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. You know, that was just Matthew chapter 1 through 5. And there is so much in those first um, chapters of Matthew. And I think the the one thing that continued to stick out to me over and over and over again is that we need to be filled with his love and we need to be filled with his fire. Now, I know it's not until the book of Acts when the fire of God comes down from heaven and people are filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance and the church begins. But... Jesus was still saving and was still healing and was still delivering by the power of God. And every single person that was saved and um, just think about some of the stories that you hear where the very shadow of Peter healed somebody. You know, we think about how Paul was a murderer of Christians and uh, the power of God changed his name from Saul to Paul. We think about John the Baptist, a man that was in the wilderness preparing the way of the Lord and, you know, got beheaded for his ministry. We think about, um, you know, the other disciples that walked with Jesus and talked with Jesus and saw Jesus do great things. And we, we think about all of these miracles and all of these things. Every single thing happened because of the power of God on the inside of people's lives. And tonight, I just want us to start off once again with talking about how the power of God works in us. You know, when, when we think about what the power of God does for us, man, we, we have to think about witnessing. We have to think about uh, telling people about God and and about what he's done for us and how he saved us and how he's delivered us and how he set us free. And in every single one of those situations, it takes the power of God because that is the boldness to be able to stand up to your friends and your family and declare what thus says the Lord. You know, it's a really hard thing sometimes to sit there and, and tell somebody else, that you respect or you admire that what God has done for them and and then take it a step further and tell them that because I respect you, because I admire you, because I love you, because I care about you, I want you to know that I'm praying that the sin that you're living in right now, you would be free from. And they're potentially going to say, dude, don't judge me. The Bible says that you can't judge me. 
or you'll be judged. Well, they're right. It's not judging. It's loving. It's praying for them. It's interceding on their behalf. Why? Because you can't change them. Only he can. Only the Holy Spirit working through you and inside of you can change somebody's heart and somebody's life completely. We have seen it happen so many times over and over and over again where the Holy Spirit just comes down and he just completely changes somebody. And, you know, it's not one of those things where where every single change is going to take place right away, but you begin to see all of these little things begin to start happening. You begin to see them give up habits that they've had. You begin to see them, um, you know, stopping themselves when they say a curse word or, or stopping themselves before they walk into the bar or stopping themselves before that next cigarette or stopping themselves before they turn on that pornography. Whatever it is, you begin to see the changes take place in their life and they get into the word of God and they begin to pray and they begin to tell other people. And all of the sudden what takes place is the power of God that was in you begins to work through them as well. And just like, uh, so I'm on a diet right now and on this diet, I have lost 66 pounds so far. People have noticed the change that has taken place in my body. And they ask me on a daily basis, what happened to you? You know, that's just how we're supposed to be as children of God. That we're supposed to look different. We're supposed to look healthier. We're supposed to look cleaner. We're supposed to look better. Because God has changed us. And so you begin to see those changes take place in people's lives and they begin to clean some things up. And all of a sudden, those co-workers that they used to go to the bar with, now all of a the sudden, they're like, dude, where are you going tonight? Dude, I'm, I'm going to a Bible study. There's a Bible study at my church tonight and I'm going there and I'm going to learn about Jesus. They got a big old smile on their face and... They have a song in their heart. They say, would you like to join me? Man, if Jesus did this for you, will he do it for me? And then, now we have two. I was listening to a pastor today that was talking about multiplication is better than addition. Two plus two is four, but when you get five times two, Five plus two is seven, but five times two is 10. And then if you get 10 times 10, you've got 100. And then you get 100 times 100, and you've got 1,000. And you see how multiplication takes place. But it starts with one person being filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, going out there and telling others about him. That's what Jesus was doing with the Sermon on the Mount. That sermon literally hit every facet of our lives. It hit everything from persecution to being poor, to being weak, to being feeble, to being humble, to being, um, you know, uh, hungry and, and thirsty for righteousness and 
and being filled to talking about marriage, to talking about divorce, to talking about um, friends and talking about looking different and acting different and talking different. Listen, you could preach that sermon every single Sunday in your church. And every single Sunday, somebody could get saved from that sermon. Why? Because it is the power of God unto salvation. See, Romans chapter 1 says, I am not ashamed of the power of God. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation. To the Jew first and also to the Greek or to the Gentile. So not only were we talking about the Jews, but we were also talking about the common people. We're talking about God's people. We're also talking about the sinner. We're talking about the one that was an outcast, the one that was broken, the one that was beat up, the one that was uh, tore down, the one that nobody really looked at and said anything good was going to happen from that person. That's who we're talking about. And if you're ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ tonight, then when you go to work tomorrow, you're going to have a really hard time opening up your mouth and declaring the wonderful works of God. I took a hike this evening. I drove up a mountain. And then I hiked around and I looked out over the beauty, over the just the absolute beauty that is the city that I'm in right now. I'm in a little tiny fishing community called Kodiak, Alaska. And I'm here for work right now. And I, I love this mountain. This mountain is called Pillar Mountain. And I drove up Pillar Mountain and I got to the top. And I looked out and I was higher than some of the plains. I was higher than everything that I could possibly imagine. There was a few other hills that were around that were a little bit higher, but eh, it's pretty high up there. And as I walked around, the song that says, I stand in awe of you. Holy God, to whom all praise is due, I stand in awe of you. The, the verse says, you are beautiful beyond description, too marvelous for words, too wonderful for comprehension, like nothing ever seen or heard. Who can grasp your infinite wisdom? Who can fathom the depths of your love? You are beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful, beyond description. Majesty enthroned above. Man, I just begin to sing that song over and over and over again. I stand, I stand, I stand, I stand in awe of you. Man, I felt so close to God. It was like I could reach up and touch heaven. You know, it's in those moments that you realize just how big and how good and how great God is. You know, sometimes in our lives, we we like to put him in a box. We like to sit him on our shelf and every Sunday morning, we'll take him out of the box. We'll put him back in our heart. 
and we'll go to church and we'll act all churchy and we'll act all spiritual and we'll do everything that we're supposed to do. And then we come home and it's just not convenient to go to work with him still in our heart. So we put him back in the box. We leave him off to the side and Wednesday night comes and we look at that box and we go, you know what? I'm just going to go to church. We leave him. We leave him at home. We don't even take him with us. We go in our own power. We go in our own might. We go and we go through the motions every single day. And then on Sunday morning again, we're like, oh, got to take him out of the box again. Take him out of the box. We throw him back in our heart. We ask him for forgiveness for everything that we've done for the entire week. And then we do it all over again. Church, it is time that we stop putting him in a box. And we realize the greatness and the majesty of our God. Man, if you could have seen the pictures that I saw and the pictures that I took tonight. Man, I'm telling you. It was so beautiful. It was so incredibly magnificent. Everything that I saw. And then that song comes to mind. How big is God? How big and wide his vast domain. To try to tell these lips can only start. He's big enough to rule this entire universe. Yet he's small enough to live inside my heart. Church, don't put him in a box. Nothing is too difficult for our God. If he can create the earth and he can create the mountains and he can create the ocean, he can scoop up the valleys and he can heap up the mountains and he can speak stars into existence and fling them from his fingertips and he can speak worlds into existence and he can speak a Milky Way into existence that hasn't even been discovered yet then he's big enough to take care of every one of your problems that you have in your life. He's big enough for your finances. He's big enough for your health. Oh, hallelujah. He is big enough for your job. He is big enough for your future. He is big enough for your ministry. He is big enough for everything, for your kids, your unsaved loved ones. He is big enough. Stop limiting God. Don't put limits on him any longer. So tonight, as a group, and I pray that every single person that listens to this word tonight, I pray that you pray this prayer. And I pray that this prayer goes across the miles and across Facebook and across Twitter and across every place where this is going to be posted. I pray you pray this prayer with me tonight. Let's rededicate ourselves to God tonight. Let's rededicate our hearts and our lives to him. Let's get refilled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, as the Spirit gives the utterance tonight. So that when we walk into the workplace tomorrow, when we walk out of the hotel room, when we walk out of our house, when we walk out of our bedroom, 
when we walk out of our uh, place of business, wherever it is that we walk out of, and we go out into the world tomorrow, we are ready to give an account of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, please forgive me. Forgive me for all of my sins. Forgive me for everything bad that I have ever done. Jesus, clean me up. Lord Jesus, I pray you would save me, that you would come into my heart, and that you would be Lord of my life. Jesus, I love you, and I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins, but not staying dead, but three days later, rising from the dead. And now, Jesus, I thank you that you're sitting at the right hand of your Father, making intercession for me. Jesus, I love you. Thank you for saving my soul. I worship you and I give you all praise and all glory and all honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, if you prayed that prayer tonight, the Bible says that there is a party that is going on in heaven over one soul, one soul that came to know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. Now, it's time that we go out there and we do what we were called to do. We minister to people that need Jesus. Let him bless you. Let him touch you. Never, ever, ever put him in a box again. Take him with you every single day of your life. And I promise you, I promise you, you're going to see great things begin to take place in your life, in your ministries, in your families, in your businesses, in your finances, as you put God first in your life every day. Church, be blessed. Be back again tomorrow night for another time of the word in a year. God bless you.